Hey folks, Zach Ostrom here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. This is Mind Your Banners for Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. We're in the, I guess what Chronic would call the Mind Your Banners Studio South. Um, he's not here. Across from me, Tyler Tagman. Tyler, say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. There we go. Um, when we talked to, let's see, when did we talk to Chronic? We talked to Chronic before the Illinois game. That was the last time Chronic and I sat down. So basically we got... Two games to review here. Obviously, two very good games for Indiana. Um, good in different ways in the method. Obviously, in kind of the same way in the result. Um, an 80-65 to 65 win against Illinois. An 82-69 to 69 win against Michigan State. And I think we can we can pick the bones out of, you know, these both of these performances. But the, the thing I keep coming back to really in all three of these games, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, obviously the margin of victory speaks for itself. But it's also the process. All of this, all of what Indiana's done here is repeatable. You know, Indiana is, I mean, there have even been some imperfections. I mean, they were only 17 of 40 on twos against Michigan State. They turned the ball over on almost 25% of possessions at Illinois. You know, it's not like they're playing, they're playing really well, but it's not like they're playing at a level that it doesn't feel like they can sustain to win these games. And, you know the 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 turnaround from Penn State, it, Iowa and Northwestern were just listen. It's they lost those two games by a combined three points. There were injuries. It was the Big Ten restart. But from Penn State in particular, the the turnaround in what I know you and I have both talked about and written about the toughness of this team, sort of the moxie of this team, um, has been really impressive because that ultimately is what's been winning these games. And when you talk about like having methods that are repeatable. I almost look at it and say, like, I feel like this team can get better, right? Because you have Race Thompson, who came back against Michigan State, played limited minutes, um, but you still have Xavier Johnson hurt. I, I feel like, um, you know, Indiana, and, and maybe this is me just being overly optimistic after the last three games from an Indiana perspective, but it feels like this team uh, can continue to get better. Um, and, you know, if, if you look at, to me, one of the most impressive things this last three-game stretch is just the way that Indiana has handled adversity. You know, it, it felt like this was a turning point in the season where Indiana could basically um, just fold and, you know, kind of throw, you know, Mike Woodson said, I think he's been a part of teams where, like, they just kind of decide, all right, well, let's just pack it in and that's going to be the season. And, and it's pretty obvious that Indiana wasn't going uh, to let that happen. And, you know, Trace Jackson Davis talked to the team, um, and, and basically said, let's just take it one game at a time. Let's after this is leading up to the Wisconsin game. And, um, and I think really what's, in, what has been striking too, is that just the way that Indiana's defense ha- has kind of gotten back to the form that it did last season. Um, and, and how quickly they've been able to do that, how bad it was against Penn state, um, and Northwestern, and then how good it was against Wisconsin, how good it was, um, you know, a- against uh, Illinois. So I think when you look at the backbone of the team, I know I'm kind of rambling on here, but um, the fact that Indiana's defense seems to really be back to the level that it was last season, I think is really encouraging as something that uh, you can count on at least, um, it seems like, on a consistent basis now. And listen, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think, we've been quick to say the season wasn't over after the three game losing streak. It's not over after the three game winning streak. There is an extent to which like Penn state might just be the outlier. We look at and say, well, every once in a while you get shot out of the gym, 
Like every once in a while, it just breaks down. I mean, Penn State did the same thing to Illinois. Um, you know, we can go kind of up and down, you know, even kind of the top end of the Big Ten um, and and find examples of, of teams that, that just kind of like just had basically a, a bad night defensively. Um, Tom Izzo might feel that way about Sunday's game. But I think your point is very valid. I mean, Wisconsin, obviously Wisconsin's challenged right now. Um, but Wisconsin is Wisconsin is in a um, is only only scores point seven one seven points per possession. Illinois is under point nine five. Michigan State is higher at and this is adjusted per Ken Pomeroy at one point oh two five. In fairness, I think some of that is game state and, and Michigan State trying to open the game up a little bit to come back because they were playing from behind for a lot of the second half and Indiana kind of being comfortable at that pace. It's worth saying, again, I've said it many times, Indiana is playing at the fastest tempo in the league right now. Um, they are comfortable at that speed in a way that they just flatly weren't a year ago. Um, but I think the defense is the, the – as much as people want to talk about Jordan Geronimo's points and rebounds against Illinois and Wisconsin or what Tamar Bates did against Michigan State, what Trey Galloway did last week, obviously Trace Jackson Davis, who we will come on to talk about during this this podcast um the the defense was the thing that really I think was going to take time to adjust for the guys you didn't have race Thompson being your best sort of wing defender your best hybrid three four defender Xavier Johnson being far and away your best ball pressure defender and, and when you think about this defense and the way that it's built this is an oversimplification most things are um but it's almost it's essentially pressure the three point line in the rim and just kind of live with the in between. Xavier Johnson was the person who set that pressure at the perimeter. Losing him, it was going to take time to get guys more comfortable doing that. And and also, I think the other thing is to be fair to Mike Woodson, who I think has adjusted a little bit in the last couple of weeks, to sort of get the 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 mountain to come to Muhammad a little bit in terms of saying, okay, the system has to be tweaked because we don't have these guys. Now, maybe if they're fully healthy by the end of the year, maybe Indiana returns to some of what it was doing in November and December. But I think that when you, you know, people always want to say, well, just find a way. Guys are hurt. You've just got to find a way to overcome that. Well, number one, sometimes there isn't a way. Number two, when there is, it's not like you can just flip a switch and just say, well, now it's it's not this, it's that. We figured it out. No problem you're going to have to go through some trial and error to figure out, well, this is what he can do if suddenly we need him to play 26 minutes and stay out of foul trouble and impact the game at both ends of the floor instead of playing 15 minutes and he doesn't have to worry quite so much about his fouls and we don't need him to score quite as much. And it just feels like Indiana has gotten more of that. And, you know, if a, if if Mike Woodson were here, he might say, well, that's also where the offense has come from because good defense turns into good offense and gives you confidence and yada, yada, yada. But I think that, that's the area that defensively, that is the area where it, it felt like Indiana was going to need the most time to sort of adjust without the injured guys. And that's, I think, a little bit more of what we've seen the last two or three games. I think Trey Galloway is a big part of that. Just the, the energy and intensity he brings as a perimeter defender and the way that he can just like rip through screens, the way he gets around um, screens, tracking guys. And and not only you know what he's you know it felt like after the Northwestern loss that when Trace Jackson Davis had a really good game Jalen Hood Shafino had a really good game but obviously IU loses it felt like 
with the guys that were injured, Indiana needed some of those guys that were role players before, i.e. Trey Galloway, Tamar Bates, Jordan Geronimo. It felt like if they were going to be able to stay afloat and maybe even thrive without, um, you know, with with without Race Thompson, without Xavier Johnson, that those guys needed to take on a bigger responsibility. And at the North at the time of the Northwestern game, and at the time of the Penn State game, you know, it felt like in large part those guys weren't ready. And I think the last few games we've seen, look, Trey Galloway had 17 points against Michigan State. Tamar Bates had 17 points against Michigan State. He, Tamar Bates, 5 of 6 from 3. Trey Galloway, 3 of 3 from 3. I don't know if that's sustainable, but to me, that's an indication that those role guys that needed to be more than role guys are starting to fill that mold. And, and I think that if you look even further down the line and talk about, okay, can Indiana get Xavier Johnson back? Can Indiana um, get a, you know, a, a full race Thompson back? Then I think that pays dividends down the road of now you have guys with experience playing bigger roles and allowing them to grow. So maybe if if Xavier Johnson is back and has a big game, a bad game, then you can then you can Trey Galloway will be more ready to be able to put up 17 or and you know Tamar Bates and I also want to mention Tamar Bates daughter I mean what what a comeback that was at, at the halftime baby race she was down big early and whoever the baby was that was leading just decided to sit down which was a bold strategy I think that might go back to some coaching babies but, do that yeah I probably did that so I can't fault them too much but uh it was a good day for the Bates family it was but uh, the point is, I feel like, and I didn't really touch much on Jordan Geronimo here, but I feel like the role players that needed to take on bigger responsibilities the last few games have done so um, in pretty convincing fashion. I'm also sort of, I, I'm also interested in, again, just talking about sort of overall team performance. Like, you know, Wisconsin is obviously the best defensive performance Wisconsin is is pretty offensively challenged right now. But Stephen Crowell averaged something like 16 points per game in the previous six before he got to, to Bloomington. And he scored five points on two of eight shooting. You go to the Illinois game, Terrence Shannon goes off on you. He has 26. Um, but only one other Illinois player scores in double figures. Then you get to Michigan State. Joey Hauser got loose early and scored, I mean, he had 22 for the game. I think 13 of those came in about the first eight minutes. So the point is you, you clamp down on him. A.J. Hogar didn't score from the field until, until there were like two minutes left or three minutes left. Indiana's doing a good job of, you know, it, it. even if you look at, I mean, Shannon's numbers were good in that Illinois game, but you felt like he was he disappeared for long stretches of it. And then he'd kind of have this burst where he'd reappear and he'd score like eight points and, you know, six or seven possessions. And then he'd disappear again, and you'd sort of look at it and say, well, that's the guy Illinois needs to sort of build its comeback around, and he keeps fading out of the game. Indiana's doing a good job of, of sort of isolating the player that, like, Wisconsin needed Stephen Crowell to play well in that game to win, and Indiana took him away. Michigan State, I would argue, needed A.J. Hogard, or maybe Tyson Walker, who only had eight points uh, in that game, to, to play well to win. Joey Hauser, yes, gave them a lift early, but ultimately that – as good as Hauser is, that's not the player who sustains you if you're Michigan State. And then Illinois, 
you kind of, yes, Shannon got 26, but number one, he really was kept quiet when Indiana was building its lead. And number two, it did feel like even as he was scoring, Indiana was keeping him isolated within Illinois' offense. My point is Indiana is doing a good job of, of, of almost just sort of coming back to that word, isolating the player, the one or two players, an opponent sort of can't live without playing well and either just taking them away just removing them from the game from an impact perspective or at least not letting not letting whatever they get going really affect their team and that is the sign of at least in my experience a team that is well prepared but a team that is also very sharp to its you know its 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 details its game plan and this was a team that talking about Indiana even when they were things were going a little bit better in November and December we were still saying we don't feel like we've seen that that defense from Indiana that we saw a year ago where you just had to work so hard to get a good shot. You had to like you you I mean Indiana was one of the one of the 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 lowest ranked teams in the country in opponent possession length and still is. Um they're dead middle of the Big 10 in Big 10 games alone but the 278th nationally in opponent possession rank you had to go so deep into the clock to get a good shot against Indiana. We didn't feel like we had seen that sharpness defensively. It feels like there's a little bit more of that now, and it's reflecting itself in the way that Indiana's, in particular, taking away players that that opponents need to sort of be cornerstone pieces for them in the game. And on the opposite end of that, I feel like other teams haven't been able to neutralize Trace Jackson Davis recently. When you look at, okay, Indiana's able to kind of limit what other teams' best or better players are doing, I feel like you know, Indiana's opponents aren't able to neutralize Trace Jackson Davis. You look at what how Illinois guarded him, that was different, or, you know, Michigan State guarded Trace Jackson Davis different, differently than Illinois did, and he torched both of them. And I think Trace Jackson Davis, it feels like Indiana's offense has kind of found their formula. And I feel like this was kind of the way that it needed to be last season, and, and maybe we saw stretches of this, but I feel like we've seen a lot more of it this season where basically Indiana or Trace Jackson Davis is Indiana's point guard. And, and obviously, physically he's not, but metaphorically he is because it feels like getting the ball to him in the post is kind of setting up Indiana's offense, um, letting him make decisions, whether that be if there's no double coming, he's probably going to torch someone in the post or dunk on Joey Hauser's, Joey Hauser's head that was in transition. But um, and then and then kicking out. I mean, Indiana shot against Michigan State 60 percent from three. Um, and, and a lot of that came from Tamar Bates and Trey Galloway. But you don't if you get Miller cop going, it doesn't need to be Tamar Bates. If you get, uh, you know, Jordan Geronimo going from three, he hit one, he was one for one, uh, then, then you don't need, tra- you, you need someone or a couple of guys basically, uh, to be able to knock down shots on the perimeter when Trace Jackson Davis is kicking him out. But, um, I think it, it feels like as much as maybe any time that Trace Jackson Davis, it feels like Indiana's offense is really, um, is revolving around him and playing off of him really good because now not only is he making really good decisions, is he making really good passes, but Indiana is hitting shots um, from the outside when, when he kicks it out. And I think when you just talk about Indiana being a more potent offensive team, which we've seen for stretches this season, and now you put that together with uh, the improvement Indiana's defense has made over the last few games, um, it, it's a team that is 
kind of starting to to put it together on both ends of the floor. Let's talk about Trace Jackson Davis. I, I, I don't, you know, getting 15 minutes into a sort of current events IU basketball podcast without talking about him um, feels uh, almost irresponsible. Um, he's averaging 24.3 points, 13.3 rebounds, uh, 4.7 assists, and 3.7 blocks per game since the Big Ten restart. As of Sunday, I, I haven't looked up these numbers yet, but as of Sunday more, uh, or I haven't looked up these numbers since the Sunday games, if there were any Sunday games. I think there were. Um, but since since Saturday night, anyway, he was third in the league in scoring, third in rebounding, 11th in assists, and first in block shots. If you look at Ken Palm's numbers, um, he is fourth in, he's third in the league in percentage, and this is in conference games alone, specific, the Ken Palm numbers specifically. He is third in the league in percentage of minutes played, fourth in percentage of possessions used. He is ninth in offensive rebounding percentage and first in both block rate and defensive rebounding percentage. Remarkably, he is sixth in assist rate. Right now, he is assisting 28.6% of made baskets while he's on the floor. I've used this stat a few times already, but for context, Yogi Ferrell's senior year when he led Indiana to a Big Ten championship – his assist rate in Big Ten play was 27%. Now, obviously, that was an 18-game sample. This is an eight-game sample. But right now, Trace Jackson Davis is assisting a higher percentage of baskets while he's on the floor in, frankly, an offense that doesn't make as many shots, you know, in terms of just total tonnage of them, um, than Yogi Ferrell did in 20, 2016. Um, Trace Jackson Davis's offensive rating, according to Ken Pomeroy, is at it's is at an all time high both in conference play and overall, and it's it's basically because of everything else he's doing. He's shooting the free throws like a little bit better. He is he's finishing about about where his career numbers are. Um, but the way he has embraced the idea that at both ends of the floor he can control the game. Um, at at both ends of the floor he can be the player and this is one of those things that sounds a little bit homer for somebody for, for the IU beat writer for the Indianapolis star to say maybe more than any other player in the conference, maybe even more than Zach Eady because of his passing, he can run the game in basically any sense. Indiana has been putting him in the high post offensively and just sort of letting, letting the offense run around him and just letting him pick what he wants to do. He's gotten better. I would say sort of five to eight feet in the last you know, 18 months or so, which sort of negates the need for a right hand, because if you can shoot from six feet, then you can't really pin, you know, if, if somebody wants to pin you to your left hand, they kind of need you around the rim to do it. If you can shoot from six feet, even though it's not a true jumper, you can create that space. He's gotten really good with that hook shot. I think his footwork is better. And I think that's also, I think he's gotten better at that is, that is rebel, excuse me, rebel, calm down or you're going to have to leave. Um, he has gotten better with his footwork, which I think has also negated the the sort of right hand left hand dominant thing. Um, and the other thing he's he's done, I mean, like I, I watched the Michigan State game back. The number of times Indiana comes down the floor and doesn't even really run a set, they just give him a post entry, and then they spread the floor around him. And basically, because he is playing so well right now, they just force Michigan State to show their hand. And you know, I mean, Tamar Bates gets two threes where all that happens is Jalen Huchifino gives Trace Jackson Davis a right side post entry and then cra- and then just cuts through the lane. Tamar Bates takes up one wing. Miller Cop takes up the other wing. 
Michigan State digs, and he just throws it out to Bates, who steps into a three. And it's the easiest thing in the world. He had a dunk on Jackson Kohler in the first half right after Bates hit a three that basically, I forget who was, I think it was Jason Whitens, was guarding Bates, and had just seen Bates hit a three when Trey Holloman tried to dig and double. So he didn't, and Trace Jackson Davis just went around Jackson Kohler for a dunk. It just, I mean, Indiana is running games through him defensively we know what he is and he's playing at you know maybe the best rate of his career in terms of blocks in terms of rebounds etc offensively indiana's running things through him like a point guard and he's playing like a point guard in terms of his distribution and the way that that teams play off of him and so it's not just the numbers and it's really easy for people like me to make jokes and be critical of someone like brad underwood and say well why didn't you double him well michigan state doubled him or at least tried some. It wasn't a hard double. It wasn't like a, the minute he touches the ball, go double him. Because you can't do that anymore because Indiana can make shots. So what you try to do is stuff like you try to dig him. You try to you know you try to get there when you feel the 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 move coming or whatever. But then this is what happens: is Tamar Bates gets five threes, Trey Galloway gets three threes. So suddenly that's not working anymore. My point is, he is controlling games at a level that I have not seen, frankly, any Indiana player in in my. 15 years around this program um, play. And I really don't know right now in his current form. And given the fact that he was hurt and to hear him tell it has gotten healthy. I don't know how you defend him. And yeah, I mean, to that point is that he, he hasn't really been healthy. It seems like for most or the, the entirety of the season, um, he, he's dealt with the, with the back issue. And, and he has said that he, he has um, improved just how he's feeling physically, but um, just looking at the intangibles of, of of what he brings, I think it was after a, a few games ago he was basically asked like, "How do you feel physically?" and he said uh, he's gonna play like he's in there getting treatment and he's gonna play. And I felt like that was a really good representation of just like his leadership, the intangibles that he's bringing, and a. a a lot has really built up to this point in his career for him. Like, if you look, I mean, he was an Archie Miller recruit, Indiana Mr. Basketball. There were a lot of opportunities over his career at Indiana for base, for him basically to just say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to move on and I'm going to, I'm going to try my, try my way professionally. After Archie Miller was fired, uh, he stuck with the program. He, he, he waited out to see who they were going to hire. Mike Woodson gets hired. Uh, he he sticks with them, you know. After or you know after last season, he you know enters the NBA draft without, uh, you know while keeping his with his eligibility. And COVID was a a factor in basically him coming back because he wasn't able to go to the NBA draft combine. But the responsibility that he's taken and basically saying like, I want to be a reason. I want to help do as much as I can to help Indiana achieve its goals, to help get Indiana back on top, I think is really admirable. And um, now obviously this is more of just like the intangibles, the, the, the things that I guess can't really be as quantifiable, but he's basically been everything that you would want out of an Indiana player. I mean, maybe minus him not really developing a, developing a jump shot, but just the way he carries himself, um, the way that he represents the program, um, I, you know, I think that that is worth noting as much as what he's doing on the floor. 
it's interesting, and I and I, I brought this up in um, talking points in my my talking points column on Monday. Um, and I I, I I I know how this sounds. I hate saying this out loud because it sounds so big time. But um, sounds like I'm trying to big time people. But I I got a chance to sit down with him um, in the preseason, and you know he didn't call anyone out by name, but it, it was obviously clear you know sort of what or who he was talking about. Um, when he said that one of the big changes he'd seen in himself was essentially that in his first two years, he never felt like he was pushed that much to do more, that there was almost kind of this attitude of you're getting this, you know, you're getting your 18 and 10. That's enough. You're do, you know, you're doing enough. That's enough. And it wasn't until Mike Woodson came in and said, like, but you need to do more. You can do more. You can be a better rim protector. You can be a better passer. You can be a better leader. You can work harder. You can set a better example. You know, that was when he kind of went up a level, so to speak, in terms of, you know, to hear him tell anyway, his work ethic and how much time he put in and how much more he tried to hold people accountable and things like that. Um, And I mean, like it, it, Listen, his, his next block is going to give him the all-time record, you know, the all-time IU record. Um, he is now, I'm just like looking at the, he's going to be the first, he's going to be the first Hoosier since Yogi Ferrell with his next basket to break uh, nine, uh, 1,900 points in in not too not too long in the future. Again, assuming he stays healthy and he keeps playing at, at roughly this um, this clip, he's going to break 2,000 points first to only the the sixth Hoosier to do that in the first since AJ Guyton. Um, he is now less than he is now about, let's see, where's he at? He's at 959 total rebounds. Alan Henderson's program record is 1091. So he's on pace to break that before the end of the season or right around the end of the regular season. He's averaging 10.1 rebounds per game. He's going to set career bests in assists this season um, you know, he's, he's shooting better at the free throw line than he ever has. All this is, is just a, a sort of flowery way of saying it, it, it was interesting then to sort of hear him be so honest about kind of his own shortcomings and, you know, sort of basically saying no one ever challenged me. So I didn't challenge myself. Now I am. And I think I'm going to be a different player. And in his senior year, you are seeing him not just, you know, um, to your point, yeah, he could have left or he could have just sort of played out the string. I mean, he could have just had a nice career and, and you know, left top 15 in scoring, top 10 in rebounds, top 8 in rebounds, top 5 in blocks. Won a lot of games, maybe made a couple NCAA tournaments. He has gone to a place that, again, you know, if, if we're talking about, obviously, players at programs like Indiana will always be remembered in part for what they win. That that's just that's inevitable. So does he win a Big Ten? Does he win a Big Ten tournament? Can he get to a Final Four? Something like that. But in terms of individual careers, and assuming he stays healthy, assuming a this is his last year because he's sort of he has talked like it is, but he does have one more if he wants it. And NIL can complicate those conversations, and that's all speculation right now. But assuming a this is his last year, and b that he stays healthy for the duration of it, and generally keeps pr- producing like this. Um, you know, we are talking about a player who is, is one of 
the all-time greats. I mean, is a is a generational player. Is certainly as good of a big man as I've ever seen at Indiana. As productive, as as sort of comprehensive in his skill set uh, of a big man as I've ever seen at Indiana. And he is going to leave his name in the record books accordingly. And I think you look at too possibly like what are the ripple effects uh, of Trace Jackson Davis, and and what I mean by that is guys that have been able, younger guys that have been able to practice with him to, you know, watch him like a guy like Jordan Geronimo. Um, and, and, you know, I want to touch on him a little bit because the the way that he has kind of started to emerge was validation for why there was an expectation or at least a hope that he could be a breakout player this season. And if you look at the Northwestern game, uh, at the Iowa game, he just looked totally out of sorts. You know, I, I think there was a lot of concern to like, it doesn't really look like he has developed much since his freshman season. And I think that was given that race Thompson was out, that was like, you need him and, and probably Malik Renew were the two biggest guys to try to fill in that absence. And, and then Jordan Geronimo, I think he starts to put it together against Penn state. And then he has a good game against Wisconsin um, and then he plays well against Illinois, and and you see why, because he has these the, the the physical gifts, but also just he looks so much more comfortable these last few games. And I think what the you know the difference has been is that he's playing with the same energy, a similar energy that he has his entire career. He's always been a really high energy guy that his athleticism allows him to to do just things that are not normal on the basketball floor, but now he's playing with that similar energy, but the mistakes are being limited. You know, he seems much more comfortable in the flow of the game. Uh, he seems like he's shooting it from, from the perimeter with a lot more comfort and rhythm and um, being able to, you know, I think he, his skill set probably more so than race Thompson fits in with, being able to play alongside Trace Jackson Davis because I think Jordan Geronimo can stretch the floor a lot better than uh, Race Thompson. So I, you know, if you look at well, where does Indiana go f- forward? You know, I, I think pairing him with Trace Jackson Davis, if he can sustain, you know, basically what he's been doing the last few games, um, I think that's reason for optimism. I think Tamar Bates, it felt like he was kind of putting things together toward you know around the holidays and then. Coming out of that break, he he kind of wasn't playing up to that level, disappeared a little bit, and then and then you have what he did against Michigan State, and I think, you know, maybe if if you don't get Jordan Geronimo and Tamar Bates to that fully breakout you know season, if you can get them close, and you can put the pieces around Trace Jackson Davis, maybe you can get Xavier Johnson back, maybe you can get Race Thompson, uh, you know, back closer to what he was before he got injured. Uh, to me, it feels like a pretty complete team, and and obviously there's still a lot of season to play. There's still a lot of things that could go wrong or could go right, but I think that it's getting much closer to the team that could be that could at least play like a Big Ten contender than play like a bubble team, which was kind of the opposite of what we saw against Northwestern and against Iowa. Um, and against Penn State but I feel like you know now it's about sustaining I feel like Indiana's kind of flipped the switch going towards the right direction now it's about just continuing that momentum 
Um, I guess looking forward, then you know this this feels like a a crucial stretch in a way. Um, four of Indiana's next five games are against Ken Palm top forty teams. They've got the game at Minnesota Wednesday night, which is kind of the only and has been to be fair for a while the only real sort of don't lose game left on the schedule. Uh, basically, once they cleared the non conference like Minnesota, I mean you could. You could even sort of live with it, like it's a bad loss, but it's on the road. It, it would be much more damaging if it were at home, um, but it's just not something you want to have to have around your neck. Um, then you've got Ohio State at home, Maryland away, and Purdue and Rutgers at home. That's meaningful because then four of your next five games are on the road. This is kind of a make hay while the sun shines moment for Indiana these next two and a half weeks. Again, Minnesota and Maryland are manageable road games. I'm not saying Indiana has to win both, but even splitting them I think would be meaningful. Ohio State, Purdue, Rutgers at home. Can you count on going 3-0? No. Is it possible? I think it is. Um, Particularly given, I mean, you've already beaten North Carolina at home. You've already beaten Michigan State at home. You beat Illinois on the road. You beat Xavier on the road. You've shown that you can compete at, at that kind of level. Um, I think an optimistic projection for Indiana here would be four and one in these five games based on how we've seen them play for the last week and a half. But there's kind of two things to that. Number one, I do think that's possible, but I would say it's optimistic. I wouldn't say it is, it is likely. Um, and number two, what it relies upon is that consistency you talked about, which is, is this, you know, again, when Indiana lost three in a row, we said a three-game losing streak doesn't end a season. But a, a three-game winning streak doesn't make a season either. This is, you know, the last, the last what, 10 days are valuable for Indiana if this is what Indiana can sustain for most of the rest of the year. And they'll have a bad performance here. They'll, they'll lose another game. You know, they're not going to win all the way through to Houston. But can they be this more often than not? Because if they can, then I think you can, I don't think it is, it is absurd to look at that five game stretch, maybe even throw in Michigan away and Northwestern away after that and say that seven game stretch, you could go five and two. That would leave you nine and six in the conference with five games remaining. Three of those five would be at home. It just feels like between now and February 7th, again, three home games, two road games. The two road games are more manageable. And the three home games are all high-quality wins on your tournament resume because for reasons passing understanding, Ohio State's net ranking is still very strong. Um, this just feels like a, a time where Indiana's sort of – they've got some momentum. They've, got, they've had some success. They need to ride this at least through the next kind of two and a half weeks and give themselves as much cushion as they can going into a difficult stretch in February. I'm curious, some of the matchups uh, coming up in the in the near future, um, you know, you look against Minnesota, a guy like Jamison Battle, um, who, who's going to get the assignment on him? Is that going to be a Miller Cop assignment? You know, is, is Jordan Geronimo going to get that assignment? But, um, you know, like you've been saying, of being able to check some of the, some of the other teams' better players, like can they shut down Jamison Battle? Then then you look for Bryce Sensabaugh has been a really really good freshman for Ohio State, and Ohio State has been struggling as a team, but um, they also have talent. You know, they also um, they also have the potential 
uh, to be good. So can can you shut down Bryce Sensabaugh? Um, and I think the one that probably a lot of people are circling is Trey Jackson Davis versus Zach Eady when IU plays Purdue. Um, two of the uh, two of college basketball's giants, metaphorically and physically speaking. Um, but you know, look, last season Trey Jackson Davis had an off game against Purdue. Indiana still wins, uh, but he got in foul trouble really early. Uh, how basically does does that matchup play out? Uh, you know, we've seen what what Zach Eady's been able to do this season, and it's been very impressive. Trace Jackson Davis is, um, I think, I, I don't know if he's rivaling him for in the Big Ten Player of the Year conversation, but he's certainly making noise in it. I would say. Um, but but just some of those matchups, you know, can can Indiana win some of those those individual matchups? And I think too, when you're just talking about sustaining, I think a lot of it too is just going to be Indiana's role guys, the guys that I've met, like Tamar Bates, Jordan Geronimo. Those are some of the guys that I feel like have represented basically Indiana's inconsistency over the last season and into this season. That you need you need maybe not all of those guys but a couple of them one or two at least to on a night to be able to sustain what they've been doing are they going to continue basically looking like that breakout player that people expected and hoped for or are they going to kind of go back to being man he just looked kind of out of sorts I think I think those guys those role guys uh, are going to play a big part in that. Can Trey Galloway continue to play at a high level? Can you get Miller Cop? Maybe, I mean, he's talked about basically playing his role, but can you get a little bit more out of him? Can you get him making a couple of threes a night? You know, I think as much as Trace Jackson Davis is going to carry the team, and I think that he will, um, you know, should he can, you know, should he stay healthy? Uh, I think that you basically, to, to sustain this, what Indiana has been doing the last few games, you need... You need the sum of the parts. Again, Indiana on the road at Minnesota Wednesday, uh, home a I think the last weekend night game, if I'm not mistaken. It's an 8 p.m. game on Fox. That Michigan State game will be 4:30. Purdue's at four. I think Illinois is an afternoon game. It is. It's a noon game. So this is this is Indiana's last kind of big ticket. I think it's. I guess Rutgers counts too. I mean that's a 6:30 tip, but I think that. The other thing I keep coming back to, and I've mentioned this, I think, on our podcast. I know I've mentioned it when when I've talked to other people about this. Indiana's last conference home game on a weekend last year was February 5th. This year, they've, they've already played Michigan State at home on the weekend, Wisconsin at home on the weekend. They'll also play Ohio State, Purdue, Illinois, and Michigan, all weekend home games. And that's meaningful when you've got a home court advantage like Assembly Hall because fans can plan their entire day around it. You don't have Kelly exams pulling some students away. You don't have indie people saying, we don't want to have to fight the traffic or we don't want the kids to get home late from a 9 p.m. or whatever. Everybody can plan their entire day around that. And the people that won't want to come down for an 8 p.m. Saturday game will sell their tickets to somebody who will. Again, this is just one of those things where if you're Indiana, especially right now, beat Minnesota, then come home, Seize your chance against Ohio State. Suddenly you're six and four, you're fifteen and six, you're riding high again. And this is one of those places I have seen it. We've I mean, we've both seen it in the negative sense where if it starts to if it starts to recede, 
there's almost a, an acceleration that doesn't exist in other places. The flip side is if you if you make people feel like they're they're sort of on the journey, if you they feel like they're on the march with you a little bit, suddenly those weekend home games in particular become the kind where the arena can account for five to seven points by itself. And then suddenly you're beating Illinois at home. You're beating Purdue at home. You're beating Michigan at home. You're picking up. You're, you're just you're you're eating your way through a conference that is just lots of quality. Maybe not maybe not a ton of, of high quality, but lots of quad one and quad two pretty much everywhere. Um, it really does feel like the next I would say three to five games are very important to kind of set the course for the rest of Indiana season after that. He is Tyler Tackman. I'm Zach Osterman for the Indianapolis Star, the Bloomington Herald Times. Thank you so much for listening to Mind Your Banners uh, here on Tuesday, January 24th, 2023 uh, for Podcast Dog Rebel, Asleep on the Couch. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you all so much for joining us.